Okay, so let's get the mood going here. Imagine it, the coffee machine is bubbling and gurgling away in the corner. A fire is crackling in the hearth. I know it's 21 degrees in the UK right now. That's 21 degrees C. But seriously, do you really care when I'm talking about setting the mood? The smell of musty paper and the subtle sweetness of vanilla is in the air, and you're gathered with some of your closest book friends to talk about your latest find. I'm Ray, and welcome to another episode of Not Before Coffee, The Bookshop, where I talk about my most recent reads and possibly encourage you to pick up a copy. Last week, I talked about a book by an incredibly prolific author. In fact, Stephen King has a bibliography totaling over 78 books when you include his non-fiction, his anthologies and the novels he has published under different names. I could have chosen one of his later books, but decided to pick one that I had read before but hadn't read for a considerable period of time. It was an interesting experiment reading something that was most definitely not ageless. As I try to do as often as possible, this week I am going to look at a novel by a first-time author. Yes, when you hear the title, you are no doubt going to say, another one on that. But I was looking through my incredibly tall TBR pile on Kindle, and this one just stood out. This week, I returned to the tales of Greek mythology with a twist and read Jennifer Saint's debut offering, Ariadne. Being honest, it was a case of looking through my list of books, many of which are currently biographies of 1980s actors for a totally different project altogether, and seeing what popped out at me. There are several different cover designs for this one, and the stunning royal blue and gold just leapt off the Kindle screen, and I knew I had to read it. The added bonus when I selected this book is that it's actually not the longest novel on my list by a mile. Due to being a tad behind last week, you may have noticed I released on Friday, I was in need of a book that I could easily read in a day. As princesses of Crete and daughters of the fearsome King Minos, Ariadne and her sister Phaedra grow up hearing the hoofbeats and bellows of the Minotaur echo from the labyrinth beneath the palace. The Minotaur, Minos's greatest shame, and Ariadne's brother demands blood every year. When Theseus, Prince of Athens, arrives in Crete as a sacrifice to the beast, Ariadne falls in love with him. But helping Theseus kill the monster means betraying her family and country. And Ariadne knows only too well that in a world ruled by mercurial gods, drawing their attention can cost you everything. In a world where women are nothing more than the pawns of powerful men, will Ariadne's decision to betray Crete for Theseus ensure her happy ending? Or will she find herself sacrificed for her lover's ambition? I know that I don't have to repeat how much I love tales steeped in the rich stories of Greek mythology, so I'm not going to harp on about that aspect of the story, which I loved so much. What I am going to say is that this took the tales that I am familiar with reading and twisted them so I saw them from the incredibly female perspective. As with Law, which I talked about in episode 6 of this season, there was some discussion of Medusa and how she was punished for the sins committed against her by a man, in this case, the god Poseidon. And in Ariadne, Poseidon is mentioned several times. 
If you aren't aware of the story of Ariadne, and to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if you weren't, because in the original tale she is barely a footnote, a tool used by Theseus who is then abandoned and ignored as though she was completely insignificant, she is the daughter of King Minos of Crete and a sister to the Minotaur. She is briefly mentioned in my favourite Greek retelling, Circe. How many times am I going to mention that? You can count them, don't play a drinking game. Due to their family connection, her mother, Pasiphae, is Circe's sister. But all in all, she is a character that barely gets a mention despite everything she sacrifices. In short, the story of Ariadne goes like this. King Minos is a brutal king, and in order to get revenge on the people who he believes killed his oldest son, he takes seven boys and seven girls every single year from Athens to sacrifice to the monster in his labyrinth. The Minotaur is the product of his wife's union with a bull, which itself was a punishment from the gods, but Minos has turned the creature into his biggest weapon, the biggest threat against his enemies. One year, an Athenian prince, Theseus, joins 13 other sacrifices to be fed to the monster, but his plan is to kill the beast rather than fall to it. Ariadne, daughter to King Minos, sees Theseus and falls in love with him, instantly. She offers him her help in escaping the labyrinth, in which he would die whether he killed the monster or not because it was designed by the genius Daedalus and is impossible to escape from. After Theseus is victorious, Ariadne, Theseus and the other sacrifices leave Crete. However, Theseus dumps Ariadne on the island of Naxos and leaves her there to die. In some versions of the story, she kills herself, and in others, she is seduced and marries the god of wine, Dionysus. Hearing the story written down like this, you probably think, what an arse, right? I'm talking Theseus here, not Ariadne. She helped him and he abandoned her. But to find those elements of the tale, you really have to search because usually she is written out of things almost entirely for a hero cannot be a hero if he needs help from a woman, at least not in Greek mythology. The novel starts with a morality tale as told by Minos to his daughters. He tells them of a woman named Scylla whom he used in order to defeat one of his enemies. Scylla was the daughter of his tyrannical enemy and she betrayed her father because she was seduced by Minos into believing he loved her. Sensing a theme here yet? Minos told Scylla he would take her back to his kingdom, and he did. However, he chained her to the side of his ship and listened as she screamed in agony. The moral of his tale was never betray your family for you will be worth nothing, even to your enemies. Ariadne is a gentle and naive girl. She has aided her mother through labour and birth several times, and when she first meets her brother, whom she names Asterion, she tries to see past the fact that he is a monster, a baby who grows as quick and vicious as the animal he was bred from. And then, when Ariadne is 18, she is told that she will be married off to a prince who has monetary worth to her father. This is also the moment when she sees Theseus for the first time and is instantly enchanted. And thus begins her journey down the path which leads to her own destruction. Theseus blinds her with his tales of bravery, showing her with words that he is worthy of his title as prince and hero, and she believes him. He woos her with gentle and not so gentle kisses, and she helps him to destroy her brother by slipping his weapon into the mouth of the labyrinth. I can hear you snickering at the back there, stop it. 
and giving him some wool to help him fight his way around the impossible maze. Her younger sister, Phaedra, doesn't want to be left out. She is daring, seemingly without fear at all, and she begs not to be left behind on Crete, having overheard the plans her sister and Theseus were making. The day of the sacrifices arrive, and Theseus is victorious, in great part because he had help. He and Ariadne sail away on his father's ship, leaving Phaedra behind. He tells Ariadne that she wasn't there when she said she would be, so she must have changed her mind. But this, this right here is the point when I started to have huge doubts about his character that only increased as the book went on. He's really a jerk. The next night, the ship drops anchor off a small island called Naxos, and in a bed in a small cottage, he takes Ariadne's virtue. She is in the depths of love for him and believes he feels the same way for her. Yet when she awakens the next day, it's to the discovery that everyone who was on the island is gone and she is alone. He has abandoned her. Better that than being chained to the hull of a ship, I think. Personally, I'd go for that, but that's just me. This is where the story starts to move much quicker, with days and months and years blurring into each other. And I have to admit, it gets a tiny bit confusing for the reader. At one point, we do get told that five years have passed, and during another chapter, that 15 have passed since the events in Crete, but it is as though the length of time is felt to be inconsequential. Abandoned on her island, she has no idea of what is happening in Crete or with Theseus. Initially, she believes that he must have thought she was with him and will return to collect her. And then she sees that there are black sails on his ship as he is moving away from the island, so she is sure that he must be dead and that is why she was left behind. These black sails tie into another myth of Theseus that I seriously recommend you look up because this book will make you seriously reconsider his motives. And it's another reason why I doubt him and his genuity. Really, really start to doubt it again here. I am not sure how long she is on the island, but around her things are changing. She is absolutely positive she is going to starve to death, and if not starve, then die from lack of water, until water starts to pour forth from a fountain, and around her things, including very healthy wine vines, begin to grow. It turns out that this island is the home of Dionysus, and here's where we know which version of the myth this story has been taken from. I'm not going to go into the whys and wherefores of the book because I truly think that it is a good one you should read for yourself. It's not as good as Circe and see, second mention, but I am being honest here when I say that I don't think anything bar the Song of Achilles could be. It is my favourite book bar none on Greek mythology and probably my favourite book I've read this year. Ariadne is a woman who for her entire life has been disappointed by men. She has been judged as a woman and found lacking, but she has the strength to stand by her convictions and her beliefs even when she was afraid of them. She wants nothing but the best for the people she cares for, and though for a time I was incredibly frustrated with her, it was easy to see that despite being afraid, alone, abandoned and feeling helpless, she still tried. She didn't give up, which was the point of one of the versions of the myth. After a while, the book moves between two stories, that of Ariadne on her island and Phaedra, who is 
used as a tool to barter peace between Crete and Athens, following Minos's descent into madness and his determined search across the earth for his escaped inventor, Daedalus. Now that's a story I'd like to read. The reintroduction of Phaedra and Theseus feels just a bit odd. It appears Phaedra had a crush on Theseus, but that fades when she realises the sort of man he is. He tells her that Ariadne was killed on an island by a giant snake who must have been sent by Artemis. This and other tales that he tells of his heroics start to add up to Theseus is a massive liar. But she is chattel and therefore has no worth to him apart from as his wife. He demands that they never talk of Crete, including the tale of the Minotaur, because she is one of the only people who actually knows the truth. Phaedra's tale is another that is incredibly sad. She is a woman who is punished by the gods for deeds done against them by a man, sensing yet another pattern here. Occasionally, though, to me, it did feel as though we were rushing through both of these stories in order to fit them into one 310-page book. These two sisters were indeed very close as children, despite the four-year age gap. But Phaedra's story is such that it could have been a book on its own, perhaps a sequel covering far more detail about how she came to accept her lot in life. This would have given far more time to get to know more about Ariadne and the life she lives. I'm not saying that we didn't know about her, but she felt like she was sharing the main protagonist role with her sister, despite their stories having such a tenuous link by the time Phaedra was reintroduced. None of the men in this novel were at all well-rounded. Okay, we get it, they are secondary characters, their significance is minute because they have their own stories in Greek myth, but it really would have been nice to get more depth to them. They were cast as the bad guys from the start, King Minos, the physical and mental abuser, the warmonger, the murderer, Asterion, the minotaur, a mindless monster, Theseus, a hero with not one single noble bone in his body, a liar, a cheat, a manipulator, a rapist, a seducer, Dionysus, a god who loves and is loved but wants more power, he's not satisfied with what he has and his greed gets people killed. It's sad that they can be summed up by these few words and you will still know what each of them is capable of. In short, this book is good, but if you're looking at it expecting Circe, you will come away feeling a little bit let down. It's clearly a work created by someone who has a love of these stories, but it ends up being a little muddled, a little lacking in character development, and a book with one too many stories, at least as far as I feel. I honestly believe that had this been a tale of Ariadne and Ariadne alone, with a sequel about Phaedra, it would have read much better. So, here comes the question and answer part. Did I enjoy it? It was okay. It really was, but it wasn't the best mythological book I've read. It covered the story, and once I realised which path it was taking, I was keen to find out how it was going to get there. But I did feel disappointed when all of a sudden a second storyline was added that I felt was unnecessary and actually distracted from the main character. As I have already said, I feel that this was two books crammed into one. 
I would have loved to have read a story all about Phaedra as her own novel. Will I read it again? No, I won't be reading it again. I think that Jennifer Saint has a great way with words, but I found that there was too much crammed into something that could have been a really enjoyable leisure read. But I'm not saying that I will not ever read another book by her. This is a debut novel, and as a reader, they can be touch and go. You're getting to know a new author's writing style, and once you're accustomed, it can turn out to be incredible. It just happens that this, as I said, was two novels in one, and it didn't need to be. Would I recommend it to other readers? If you like mythology, then I would definitely recommend you give this a go. Ignore the blurb at the end of the intro that says if you loved CSE and Song of Achilles, because if you don't, you will be setting massive expectations. Judge this novel on its own merit. Pick up a copy and give Ariadne a try. The story of this forgotten princess of Crete is worth knowing. Just remember that the men are incredibly one-dimensional and give you very little in the way of an idea about them as characters. You just know that you aren't meant to like them very much from the start. So there it is, my view on Jennifer Saint's debut novel from March 2021, Ariadne. This is not my first delve into mythologically focused novels and I have absolutely no doubt that it won't be my last. There are still a few on my TBR to read through. I hope you enjoyed the journey with me and we'll give this book a try. The last cup has gone in the dishwasher, the closed sign has been turned around, so it's time to end this, another episode of The Bookshop. I hope you enjoyed it and we'll come back again for more. If you like what you hear, why not share it with your friends and family and please post a review or even a star rating on Podchaser. I really love reading what you have to say. You can follow me on Twitter at need underscore three underscore mugs or on Instagram at not before coffee podcast. Well, I have to go and pick another book from the shelf for next week and settle down with my third cup of coffee of the morning. Until next time, this is me saying farewell. <laughs>